whoop, 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 Rastafari man. This is Chip Baker, and on today's episode, besides the fake Jamaican accent, I'm going to have Craig Najedli, one of my uh, good vegan brothers. Craig is a longtime hemp supporter, hemp activist, supplier of hemp goods throughout the nation. Craig started Satori Clothing and Skateboard Company way back in like 1999 or 1998 and was one of the first people to spread hemp t-shirts, hemp jeans, hemp clothing, hemp socks, hemp underwear to the skateboard community. At the time, his primary business was skateboard wheels. An avid skateboarder, Craig wanted to bring the hemp information and bring hemp to his community. And he successfully did that. Satori is known all over the world. I've traveled the world. I haven't been everywhere, but I've been to a lot of the popular places. And I see Satori stickers and cut up Satori t-shirts and people wearing Satori t-shirts literally all over the world. It's kind of crazy at the reach that he's really been able to get. Thoroughly distributed throughout Japan, Asia, UK, throughout the U.S., and has been really successful, you know, at the developing hemp apparel business. I was always at awe at how he could come out with a different fashion, a different t-shirt design, and bring it into production. And if anybody's brought any type of product to market, you know how difficult and hard it is. Everyone that hasn't done this, they have it in their mind that it's easy or they could do it. And most people just can't do it. And I've seen Craig bring Dozens and dozens and dozens of new designs and new products to the marketplace. Maybe more than anybody I know. So, you know, have mad respect, big respect for anyone and especially Craig for doing that. Today, however, Craig's moved on a little bit from hemp to ganja. Now, Craig's always been a ganja smoker. However, he's decided that you know, the past uh, several years, he's going to pursue medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. And he's now developed one of the largest farms up in Humboldt County, cultivates several acres on a couple of different plots of property. Most of it's greenhouse and light depth. They're calling it mixed light now in California and outdoor cannabis. Craig's had a focus on organic cannabis and uh, just organic and vegan lifestyle ever since I've known him. I'm also a vegetarian, and me and Craig have always bonded from wherever we're out at trade shows or we see each other in, in the public of like, hey, where's the food? Because, you know, any of you others with picky diets, you you understand what I'm saying. Uh, those omnivores out there that can just eat anything, you're uh, very fortunate that uh, you can just walk into any place and eat food. For us vegan and vegetarians and I don't know, other crazy diet people. You know, we're just a little loony in the head and need this specific type of food to fuel our body. And Craig's always been there with a spliff and ready to go, the smile on his face and enthusiasm. That is for sure. Yet I digress. We're talking about ganja here and really what's going on with Talking Tree Farms and Humboldt Cannabis and the new legal market for cannabis in California. So on this episode, we discuss all of that. I've been trying to get Craig on the show for a long time. Glad I finally got him into the Real Dirt Studios on a rainy day. This is a, another lost episode of the Real Dirt. I lost this SD card under the couch, probably right after Craig's uh, a recording session. 
I'm sure we got super, super iry while he was there. Craig's commitment to organic farming and organic pesticides is really unprecedented. He really has a desire, a yearning, an understanding for what organic is. And sometimes you may have to bend the rules a little bit, but man, in his heart and in, you know, almost all of his practices, it's as organic as you can get for a commercial cannabis operation. If you ever see his product out on the market, Satori, Talking Tree Farms, know that it is an organic product and you can feel safe about using it. Personally have seen his gardens, no bad pesticides. I've asked all of his growers about their application of pesticides and fertilizers and man, they're really, really doing a good job. They're growing great quality cannabis. So you see them out, out in the world, make sure that it's a chip approved, certified organic cannabis. Well, not certified, but chip approved cannabis and it should be organic. Without any more of me babbling, I'm going to let this episode roll on. Remember, if you like this episode or haven't subscribed, please go to iTunes and download The Real Dirt Podcast. Subscribe to The Real Dirt Podcast. Subscribe to The Real Dirt Podcast. Subscribe to The Real Dirt Podcast. And you can always go to therealdirt.com and just uh, listen to the episode right there. We've also got a lot of good information on The Real Dirt. And check out our Facebook and Instagram pages. So here it is, Craig Majedley, Chip Baker, Lost Episodes, Fire One Up, and enjoy. Breathe in, breathe out. Are you ready? That's right, this is The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. We're going to have some breathing exercises here for a moment. That's right. I've got Craig from Satori <laughs> oming in the background. Mm. Ah, that's right. Oh, wow. I feel so grounded. You feel grounded today? I do. More so now in the last five seconds of breathing. Yeah, totally, dude. That's what you got to do. Hey, five seconds of breathing does a lot. You, you got to. It's easy to forget. I, I know. You have to. Uh, You've got to, uh, you know, align the right and the left side of the brain and all that kind of stuff, man. Get the energy going, bro. Yeah. So today's dirt, I've got Craig Satori, longtime friend and hemp cannabis activist. How's it going, Craig? Oh, it's a beautiful day in Humboldt. Another yeah. day in paradise. It is another day in paradise today. It's beautiful. We're looking out here at the uh, Real Dirt Molecule Studios in Humboldt County, California. Beautiful. Beautiful day. So many of you know Craig Satori as the founder and creator of Satori brand clothing skateboard gear. Uh, Craig has been a... I met Craig as a dirty skater in the late 90s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had hemp clothes. He was one of the first people to have hemp clothes on back then. And he took it to heart, that's for sure. And we've always been hemp pals here, high five from across the studio, and uh, talking hemp and living hemp. And, and Craig really took it to the next level. He was one of the first people to develop a, a, man, a real popular and widespread hemp line. 
of all types of stuff, pants, shirts, hats, clothing. Uh, it's distributed throughout the world. Uh, famously, I see Satori gear everywhere in the world I go. Good, good job, bud. Thank you. Stuck to his roots with skateboarding. He's had several um, skateboarding products that he's come to market with, skateboards, skate wheels. Been doing that, all that for a number of years. But behind the hemp world, Craig has always been dun, in love dun, with dun, cannabis, <laughs> a.k.a. marijuana. Craig loves weed of all sorts, hemp, industrial, hemp, CDBD, cannabis, and uh, is now the founder of uh, Talking Tree Farms, a legal cannabis producer in Humboldt County. Uh, and, and, and I know I'm missing some stuff here, but man, I'm just going to like throw you under the bus and say, and what else? Well, <laughs> that's a good introduction to start. It was a good introduction. Yeah. Well, Satori, you know, I've been doing that for 18, 20, almost 20 years, 1998. So started geez. here in, in Arcata. Well, no, Arcata, I mean, San Francisco. started in Athens, Georgia. Sure. Started in Athens, Brian, Georgia. And uh, moved to, to Humboldt in 99. Mm-hmm. Right. In part, thanks to you. Yeah. You're one of the biggest factors that brought us out here, me and Brian. All right. I was, I was one then, of the pioneers. Uh, you guys stepped on my bones. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe slept in your kitchen floor. Yeah, right. Right. Might have done a couple other helpful activities around the house. <laughs> yeah, a little house chores. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it goes way back, way back. We're still here today having a good time, so. Good times, man. But so about uh about five years ago, I started talking trees farms. Been doing Satori, the skateboard, the hemp thing, and with legalization and the market and cannabis becoming an industry, you know, we had to launch the farm brand. So we got Talking Trees Farms, which is a cool little story about the name. You want to hear it? Maybe you were tripping out in the woods high on some of that <laughs> vegan organic ganja you're growing. You're like, God damn, I think the trees are talking to me. Pretty much, <laughs> pr- pretty much exactly. But it was one of my workers that was like this one particular plot. And actually it's because we have a few different, the, the plots are segmented. The whole garden is in one flat spot. And we call this spot extra credit because it's not a great spot to grow. It's north facing and doesn't get the best sound. But like, ah, you know, you can get something out of here. Anyway, she was up at extra credit. And then just the way the trees, just this one spot on the property, she just came up with that, you know, oh, these trees are talking. And then we went to open an account at the local grow store. And they're like, oh, well, you want the name under? And she was like, well, how about talking trees? And then she came to me and told me, oh, I opened an account when it's called Talking Trees. I was like, I love that name. It's perfect. The trees have been talking to me since I was a kid. Big tree hugger back in the day, man. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we we hiked some trails together. Yeah, we hugged some trees. That's <laughs> yeah. right, man. Back in those early days, that's all we did was like smoke ganja and like hike all the trails on the North Coast, right? Yeah, and then <laughs> snowboard up at Titlow Hill, backcountry oh, right. snowboarding. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And Chip was always the leader of the pack, the motivated guy to get up and get out the door. Let's go. Like, I like this. Yeah, well, it's, man, it was hard and humble, dude. If you don't like establish, like, we're going then then what happens they're like well let's move Humble one time. more joint <laughs> yeah let's move one more you know, my buddy's coming over and then we'll go we'll smoke one more joint yeah. well let's it's already lunch let's go to wild berries <laughs> and eat lunch yeah right it always has been about the weed and like five years ago you started the talking tree farms now humboldt county has led the way in legalization right right totally. and, 
you were one of the first proponents for all this of all of my friends and associates. You were one of the first people who were like, yeah, we got to go do this. We got to get legal. Legal's away. Legal's away. Not this black market, you know, thing anymore. Private market thing anymore. Right. Even before Talking Trees Farms, I was trying to open the dispensary. Started that six years ago under the Satori Wellness name, Satori Wellness Collective. But applied, put the application in. And got caught up right before the moratorium, which turned into a ban. So, right for five years, or for six five years, years, yeah, and then had to start from scratch. So, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot has changed. You know, a lot of progression in myself to be able to handle that kind of undertaking. And I looked back at my plan. I kept all the paperwork from six years ago, and I hand drew the plot plan. Like mm-hmm. it was pretty ghetto to say the least, but it was already out to referrals, submitted, accepted. And I was like, oh wow. Right. It's it's interesting to see how much one can progress and just things change in five years. Yeah. I'm really surprised at how well the government of Humboldt County has really accepted the legalization procedures. Yeah. You know, you got to think about it. It's like, okay, so everybody in Humboldt pretty much is growing weed or working for weed growers. Or benefiting off the capital money. Absolutely. Definitely. (laughs) That's definitely the case. Those are the three people. The people that grow weed, the people that work for weed growers, or the people that sell weed growers stuff. Yeah. It's more businesses in Humboldt County have cash counters, (laughs) like money machine counters than any place place on the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody uses credit card machines. I mean, there is like it's always been kind of this way, but like in the past, like 10 years like cannabis has really really taken it over before it was fishing before it was logging yeah right before it was gold cannabis has been here for 50 years but like man last 10 15 years it's been going for it dude Oh yeah, I mean, remember when we first moved here, we were like scared to go pull into the hydro store. Yeah, right. We're like, uh, what was it, Humboldt Hydro or some hydro store open in Arcata? You're like, whoa, in I Arcata, don't want to. They opened up right downtown. <laughs> you yeah. would like ask friends to go to the hydro store for like, you. Like, I'm not parking there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I going in down there. the street. I can't be seen walking in there. Right, right. But it, it it's totally changed. Totally different. And so you've got to imagine at the planning department. For years, every single day, all day long, people coming in talking about building permits and projects, they were all lying about what was going on. Right. And the planning department absolutely got that vibe. They're like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm, 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 I need ag power for my barn. And they're like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> I'm growing boutique chickens, you know, so whatever story people used to have. But now they get to tell the truth, right? And it's changed the attitude in the planning department significantly. Have you noticed this? Because yes, you were you you started years ago. Yeah, you saw it change. I mean, they were always kind of nice to me and accepting the process that people were interested. But now they're like full on. It's just like everyday business. Yeah, is this you know, a ganja grow it, line it, four? It was a little bit nerve wracking, and a couple others that I had given me guidance and recommendations led me in there and was like. It was a little nerve wracking back then. And then they came at us so hard when we went in there. Like, I still haven't had my grading permit approved. And when I go to review, I think everything's done. They're like, the woman at the desk is like, oh, well, you have to do this. And I've actually never seen this requested. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this was five years ago when, when I was one of the first cannabis growers coming in here to get permitted. They thought of everything they could under the sun to make us have to do. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, I think it's gotten even a little bit easier. So maybe being that early has its give and takes, but I actually still don't have a cultivation permit at this moment. 
I um, should have one darn soon. But right, right. You've completed all the paperwork. You've put everything together in California currently, oh, 2017. Yeah. They have this provisional law. Oh yeah. You no, we're involved, in a good spot. You, where yeah. you're involved, you know, if you uh, uh, are actively pursuing. You know, your paperwork, they consider you a legal garden in California for 20 years. It's been this gray area of legal cultivation, private cultivation, gray area cultivation, really. And no, right. Even like two years ago, I would I'd frown on having my child or other kids and just people up to the property because you just never mm-hmm. knew. Right. Now, you know, with the applications in, the permitting going. Family yeah, farm. It's a family farm. Yeah. Girl up there trimming. <laughs> yeah. Digging holes with, or the, tr- <laughs> with the trampoline up. Yeah. <laughs> if you ain't digging holes, you're doing flips. Yeah, right. That's some fun. Yeah. Yeah, get out there. But now it's it's definitely changed and evolved a lot. And it feels really nice to be in this place where you see it becoming a viable business. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as easy as it was in the past, but that just means being professional, organized, and running a business. It's not just growing some weed and selling it on the street anymore. I think the quality is going to be better now for the end consumer. And I could say in the last 30 years, a lot of not mindfully cared for grown weed has come out of this region. Yeah, and all over. over. And now everybody to sell, even on the black market, anyone to sell their weed has to care a little bit more about what they're putting into it these days. Right. And that's a good thing. No, it's a great thing. So that's a perfect place for us to break for a moment. Let's have a break. And when we come back, we'll pull out some of this like huge contractor garbage bag full of weed you brought me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is The Real Dirt with Chip and Craig. Chipping Craig, drinking 40, smoking blunt. Hey, Craig, what you got in the bag, Craig? (laughs) Oh, shit, it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) It is Friday. You got to grow job. (laughs) Time to smoke me out. Every day is Friday. Every day is Friday. What'd you bring in the bag? What's in the bag? Oh, man, just a couple little quick samplings from our last indoor. Some Sunset Sherbert. Nice stuff. That's the first thing you grabbed, actually. Yeah, man, that too. Most people, when they bring me weed, they only bring me a joint. I mean, this uh, is incredible, dude. Yeah. There's like, I don't even know how many pounds here. You're setting the mark for everybody else. <laughs> Just had to grab what was close to the door, actually. Right, right. This is his go bag. Yeah. That's just... Oh, wow, that smells incredible. Yeah. Really does have full flavor smell, man. There's yeah. no decomposing plant matter. There's no chlorophyll. Like this is straight terpenes I'm smelling right now. Yeah, yeah. The sunset sherbet's a nice one. You got some skittles in that bag. Oh, skittles! Famous some, skittles. Some let's see, some string called the Dippin' Dots, which was the most expensive clone I've ever bought. Oh, here's the skittles here. Yeah, the skittles. The Skittles. Dang, I had a couple pre-rolls of Skittles. I might have left those in the car because I smoked one on the way. (laughs) 
Skittles reminds me of Albert Walker crossed with Urkel in the smell. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, okay, Skittles is kind of the craze right now, and I'll give you my two cents on it. It grows. It's not very attractive looking. It's hard to grow, actually, but it looks like a green crack kind of, which looks nice. It's aesthetic, but not not super frosty. You just don't think that much is going to be there, but then you just take a whiff of it, and then you taste it, and the high is nice. I mean... Dude, these are some, I mean, these are, these it's are some really very, good weed. <laughs> these are some very small nuggets. So you can't ever judge a book by its cover is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. And you can't, and I, I'll go deeper with that. It's like, even by like people judge what they smoke by the potency results. I'm like, oh, absolutely. It's so over like rated. There's so many attributes to the cannabis plant and the varieties and the strains. Like you can't judge it by its look. You can't judge it by anything other until you inhale it. And what it does for you. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there because, you know, you can judge it by its look. You just have to be discerning over that, right? Like just because it's maybe dark green or just because it's leafy or just because like, like I can ignore that. Right. Right. I can totally not even ignore it. Like, you know, be like, oh, wow, this is kind of leafy and pale green. This looks like an 80s Afghan. You know, where'd you get this? right but it, there won't be any crystals on it yeah if it's under like taking care of cannabis and you know well yeah that's a discerning eye yeah i get you get that yeah yeah oh man man it smells it also reminds me of the bubba seven do you remember that cutting you got yeah, that one i don't have that one i don't know oh, yeah that one's a great one bubba seven bomb threat bomb threat bubba Bomb threat number seven. Those of you out there that know it, <laughs> you guys are like, yeah, bomb threat. Mm. One thing I remember, I remember when you brought up like the Salmon Creek Big Bud. Oh God, yeah, no doubt. I was like, oh, I got a cutting of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and of course, back then you could grow anything. You got Salmon Big Bud that just grows enormously big, so easy. Right. And who knows, you can remember how much it sold for, but... Same price as everything else, right? <laughs> great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. There was no change in the marketplace. So so you've been around Craig a long time in this new marketplace. It's a new change in marketplace. Before we could just grow like Salmon Creek Big Bud and has huge buds that are eight gram colas or eight gram side buds. And, and now like I'm looking at this bag of Skittles and like each one of these nuggets is like you know, less than a half a gram, right? And it's, how do we keep up with the changing marketplace, still stay like viable in this new coming industry in California? I mean, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it is going to come down to like every other business marketing outreach and how you market yourselves and your product should be quality. And I think it'll be in cannabis for a while. It should be hand in hand. So even, but even if you have great, amazing, you have the best weed in the world and don't know how to market yourself it's not going to get out there you're going to have to weigh those two out just like every other business in in this day and age it's you're just like alcohol you're just like the new beer brewer you're a legitimate business you're having to pay the taxes you're having to get organized you got everybody you got to step your game up and having been in business it's like a natural progression for me to take cannabis that way but i could see where a lot of farmers and people maybe not are attuned to that. But at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of great creativity because, dude, we were up here. We've been doing it for so long. I mean, you've got to have some sense and some business sense and be a survivalist to have been doing this for more than 10 years even at this point. 
Yeah. You know, over 20 years, I think. Uh, well, a lot of people have just been able to survive on their like connection to sell it. That's going to be challenging for sure, yeah. right? Is, is how the distribution model is changing here. Because, you know, in Northern California, it's unlike other places. Northern California, there was always this already a widespread economy and accepted business practices in the private or the gray area industry of medical cannabis. Right. Now it's all changing. But right? where other states, there wasn't like economy. So yeah. it was like easier to roll in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll compare it to skateboarding. Here okay. So in skateboarding, hundreds of brands, all these brands, 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 but only probably three to five manufacturers actually make those skateboarding, the, the skateboard itself. Mm -hmm. And then they, the, the brands contract to put their graphics on them and da, 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 da. So you look at other businesses, any business in, in essence, there's, you start with what you call OEM, original equipment manufacturer, or the person that produces the raw material. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, listeners, wake up. Craig is dropping some <laughs> vocabulary and knowledge here. We're going to start it out how the whole thing works. OEM manufacturing. All right, yeah. let's start. Yeah. If you haven't heard of OEM manufacturing, original equipment manufacturing. That's how you get the deal from China when you call them up, by the way. Exactly. They make product for everybody, and it's up to you to have a brand to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Everybody's shit is the same. It's all the same shit. But when you get to farming, it's not because... I can, you can, I can grow it differently. It grows different at my place, different. A million factors. million factors. million factors. Mm -hmm. if, if you ever read a book that I recommend, I'll never read the whole book, but you'll get the gist of it called The Secret Life of Plants. Plants are intuitive beings. They react to positivity, negativity, just yeah, like, I'm on. just like the water, plants, just like the water thing with the vibration. Yeah, and positive vibes on the water, bro. So, yes, Exactly. All living things are connected and plants like even there's scientific studies that plants react to like their owners having mm -hmm. a trauma 3000 miles away and that the plants feel it and react to it. Like, and they use what they, they, they base these studies off lie detector tests, which is mm -hmm. a change in your frequency, your vibration. So anyway, there's very, very, it's a great book. Check it out called the secret, secret life, life of plants. plants. All right. I can't think of the author right now. OEM secret life plants what's so, next getting back to cannabis yeah and business there's a place in scale if you don't want to be a brand there's going to be guys in the bay area guys in la there's going to be people that are brand guys building brand or, or women and i'm not trying to be gender specific here that are going to be building brands that don't grow cannabis that are going to need raw material absolutely which is what original equipment manufacturing goes back to is raw material mm -hmm. so there's still plenty of room for people they just have to develop the relationships through the supply chain. If you don't want to go for the branding and Cause like, promote your farm and da da da, go find. If you just want to be a farmer, just grow weed. Joe Schmo extract, wholesale weed. Exactly. Right. You don't have to trim it. Yep. You don't have to do anything if you don't want. But you're not going to get paid for it the same way that yeah. people used to get paid in the private industry. No. But that's a it's a wholesale transaction. Your tax liability is way less, and you're kind of in a good position if you can meet those brands mm -hmm. that are going to be growing and and be a supplier to them. There's so there's still I think there's still plenty of opportunity for anyone that wants to be simple or take it to the next level and have their brand. It's just that there's going to be a shit ton more hoops to jump through to do it all. 
Yeah, right. Absolutely. The market's going to segment because what's gone on now, and here might be a bad example of it, but it still works here, is that people grow weed, they sell it almost direct to the consumer, maybe one or two people removed. Yeah. Right. One person removed. Right. So like the price and they don't have to advertise it and they don't have to pay for marketing costs, any overhead insurance, transportation. They don't have to pay for any of that, really. And then there's going to be people that brand their name under like you talking tree farms and they're going to have talking tree farms and joints and eights and extract at the dispensary all over the state. And then there's going to be people that want to just make the extract. So maybe you go to them with your talking tree farms material and contract them as a co-packer to make your vape pens or your rosin. Exactly. Right. And then there's going to be other people that are going to uh, make the ganja food for you, but you get to sell it all as talking tree farms this you may all, do some of that but all of it's possible right i'm doing a little bit of everything like that at the moment mm-hmm. so trying to develop my own brand which is expensive actually so it's like yeah a, right. lot, a lot of energy and time so while doing that i'm also selling raw material trim smalls whatever it may be to other brands that are established you know i work with prana which is a nice brand out of the bay area we p- produce bubble hash that we provide to it say space gem candy we are like doing both we can support building my own brand and i hate to say my own because like it takes a, a fucking a tribe bro. yeah a team i get it you know i, get I, got, it. A, I got a great you're, you're i got a great everybody team. and it's your direction and I, uh, I get it and we're doing it but uh no man's an island yeah exactly Right. So, so big ups to the crew just want to big them up big up <laughs> to the crew it. couldn't do it without them but while building our brand, you got to keep things moving. You got to keep things moving. I'm never, the, I've, I've never been the guy that's like, I'm going to hold out because I know I'm going to get more. I could do something if I keep this moving. So yeah, right. If someone shows up and we're ready to roll, let's just keep it moving and keep going to the next thing. So right. we just try to hit out all outlets of opportunity while hitting the legal market in terms of trying to sell product to legal brands trying to just make that transfer to being 100% legal. And when you're growing a volume, you can't rely on selling that much weight and flour to the end consumer. So sell it untrimmed to people that need, have their brand that don't grow and, and then sell extracts from your stuff to brands that use that to make their edibles, try and hit it all from all, all sides. So, man, you know, one of the, I've been talking to everybody about what's going on here. I've been back here for, you know, a a few days and I want to hear everybody's opinion and how everybody feels about it. I hear this all the time and I don't believe it. Right. But there's this underlying thought that it's only the big people that are going to be able to survive. Right. I say it's only the smart people that are, are able to survive. It doesn't matter how big you are. It matters how smart you are. Hey, there you go. That's uh, my new response. That's yeah. my new response. Right. <laughs> right. Because what the small people really mean is it's not survive. It's their price structure is going to change. Their employment structure is going to change. Their insurance structure is going to change. You know, the pay structure, like their the, revenue, the profit that, margin, it's all going to change. Not and they just, really, because it's all relative to scale. If you're a small farmer, you're probably doing it all on yourself. You probably don't have a 10-person crew that you're paying 
workers comp insurance on because you don't pay workers comp insurance if you're doing it yourself you're saving yeah. a ton of money like, the real mom and pa if you're a real mom and pa one to two you know workers managing your farm i think you have just the greatest opportunity to say me having 10 people working on my farm that i'm paying workers comp ada bathroom setup yeah i mean no it's never necessarily the small guy it's the smart guy. It is. And the small guy could be cunt or gal. Don't hate to be gender specific here. <laughs> <laughs> guy or gal. Yeah. Uh, could become the next big guy. It's all about playing your cards and being smart. Hey, you know, and. And not playing the victim. Because a lot of people play the victim or they're lazy and just don't want to take the initiative blame. and blame and that's blame. Been, it's been so easy for so long it has, it has. no taxes no regulations no like nothing. Those, pe those people should just retire they don't want if to they, do it if they've been doing it for 20 years up here successfully they could retire into something else yeah most people live paycheck to paycheck no matter how much money they make true you know. true i shouldn't make that assumption <laughs> yeah right. here's the thing though there's this fallacy that big business is the only way to make money, right? Because, man, I mean, I've had some larger businesses and just overhead just is like, can be exponential, yeah. right? And there are these sweet spots when you're in business of like how much overhead, how much inventory, right, that you have to make your profit margin like super sweet, man. And, you know, I've been in low volume businesses mm -hmm. when the profit margin is like 48%, right? you know, and then yeah. like, higher volume businesses where it's half that 28%, right? And, you know, 24%. And dude, it's just because you're selling more doesn't mean you're making more. Same business I'm talking, same businesses I'm talking about. Like my net has been the same for years, mm -hmm. regardless of how much I sell. Like maybe I increase it a little bit, right? I mean, we've grown tenfold since we've started right and right. and you know my grocery stores in colorado tenfold since we started profit 10 times bigger dude it's not it's yeah. fucking definitely not 10 times as bigger right but right. uh, just you know profit margin keeps decreasing right so we just got to do more volume and more like cost saving measures and more and smarter thinking about the business and same thing has to go on in ganja right right just because like, that's you would think it'd be the other way around because the more business you do, usually you get better cost savings mm. because when you buy them volume, you get better discounts. Well, I mean, you know, I'm 10 size the volume. I also have 10 size the inventory I had back there. I've yeah, got but I'm saying five times that's the, the nature of this business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This, right. bus this business is, is slim margins. And it's not that it's actually really good with cannabis. Right. We talk about like cost per pound all the time. Do you know what your cost per pound is? If you analyze that? I mean, it's, I mean, not exactly. It's, it's too hard. It, it's hard for you. There's always way too many wheels of motion in developing and infrastructure as as increases. Right. It's, I mean, your farm's almost like next year on one that's established, all right. set up costs aside. I could tell you what that is, mm -hmm. but, uh, not right at the moment. All right. Hey, man, this is a perfect place to take a break. This is Real Dirt, Craig and Chip. We'll be right back.
back. This is Chip and Craig from The Real Dirt. And, you know, usually I have uh, my guests do some feat of strength or, you know, ganja rolling prowess. And Craig just did more push-ups all while smoking this huge joint. At one point, he couldn't even do the push-up. Right when he lit it, it wouldn't even go all the way down because the joint was so big. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm I'm really impressed, dude. You're you're fit for how old you are, right? <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, yeah, totally. I'm I'm impressed, dude. I mean, dude, that was impressive. Thanks. That was impressive. I'm a little winded still. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> all those huge hits off that joint. So, Chip and Craig, we're here talking uh, about uh, the business of uh, cannabis. You know, me and Craig have spoken to one another over the years on a business platform concerning our other businesses, my potting soil company or fertilizer company or grow stores and Craig's importation of hemp or shirt manufacturing. So I knew Craig was going to be one of the successes in this industry because he already had this like really good entrepreneur background that you brought into the ganja farming. And you, you kind of picked up the like ganja farming like this, like just recently, really. What about all the other people that don't have like business background? that are entering that have always been ganja farmers, but now they're entering the business world. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I've seen you start a couple business ventures. I mean, you've been long time to Satori creation skateboards, but like yeah, you've yeah. had all these other products and ventures along the way associated with that. Totally. Right. So like I've seen you start like a bunch of projects, yeah. you know, I'm just interested in your perspective on, you know, on, on ganja farmers that don't have any business like since in our new entrepreneurs, so to speak, right? They might be farmers, but they've never really done business, brought product to market. You I think know, a, I think a lot of them are creative though, and are coming up and understanding it. But probably the best thing you could do is maybe hire a consultant, a good consultant that yeah. knows. I'm not offering consulting services yet, but maybe I should soon. But yeah, you gotta get a grasp on the opportunities in either developing your brand or like I was saying, contract manufacturer for other brands that are, that are developing a place in, a, in the market for themselves, but aren't producers. So they're relying mm -hmm. on a consistent product that they're going to want all the time to keep their product line consistent. Like all these people are developing brands and product lines that aren't cannabis producers. So mm -hmm. if you don't want to develop the business side, you mm -hmm. need to maybe be looking at least at the magazines or online or who are the biggest brands out there and potentially just be a, a supplier for them. And then if you, if you have a substantially better quality product than other people's, then that can't hurt. try to help develop that <laughs> out of it, you know, mm -hmm. like people recognize that. Yeah. Everybody thinks they got the best product. And there's still a lot, a lot of product not testing clean for pesticides. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Molds, mildews, pesticides are well, all going to yeah, be a new issue for microbials, California. Microbials is a sick, extreme challenge. I mean, most of our flowers even fail for microbials just because we're growing organically using compost teas. and It's just, it's a, it's a bad system. It's a bad system. Right. I get yeah. that. But pesticides, for sure. Like, mm -hmm. It's a no-brainer. Just don't use them. 
before we get into growing, because I got a lot of grow questions here. This sounds kind of cliche, you know, so let me figure out how to say this without sounding like cliche. Okay, I'm going to be cliche anyway. So if you could hop in a time travel device, say we shut the door, we go back in time, Mm -hmm. back in time, and you could speak to the young chip entrepreneur or the young Craig entrepreneur Knowing what you know now, what would you what would you tell me? What would you what would you tell yourself? Honestly, yeah, totally. The first thing would be master Excel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's the only thing I would ever go. I never went to college for business or school, but if I was to go to school for one class, It'd it would be, be Excel. Excel. Yeah, totally. Because those I, spreadsheets are so valuable absolutely now knowing all populate it and and knowing how to formulate them i mean that's good that was good advice for me too because i don't know excel nearly well enough yeah i don't either yeah you know and uh, hey man we should we should take a group (laughs) class bro we might have to (laughs) i need to man that's because you got i mean if you're running a business you need data and you gotta have spreadsheets i mean i want to know how much trim i'm producing a year mm-hmm. smalls i want to see what trimmers you know we created a spreadsheet this year so it's all done by bin we see the bud weight the trim weight the smalls weight we start seeing the averages per trimmer can start justifying the quality of the trimmer and their and their stake in being right. involved in our process versus your overall gross and net values of what you're going to be yielding off of how much bud and trying to just figure out all aspects of where you're of budgeting your income is going to be coming from versus all the expenses, you know, you're going to have. You've looked into some software. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, that helps you with this population, right? right? It helps you with the tracking of it all. And California is going to be required to use the metric system or the metric tracing system. Super challenging. Right. Right. Cause most <laughs> Most of the guys that work for me doing the, the the work at the farm, they barely have a cell phone. They don't do email and computer stuff. Like putting data into the computer every day is we're gonna I'm gonna have to have like literally like a secretary to yeah. hire to follow them around and be at a million places all throughout the day. More than one, obviously, it's gonna be a super challenge because they're not the most computer literate people, and neither do they want to be because yeah. it's not. Yeah, you, you should. Uh... Yeah, you should come over to Colorado and uh, show you how some operations work without it. Well, I think we can easily work without it if we can get by without it because if we have one or two managers managing all the information that comes in. Yeah, there you go. It's easy, yeah. Yeah, you just got to organize it all. But if right. every every step of the way has to be data input into a computer system, it might be a little bit challenging. Yeah, totally. We'll That's see. what UPC codes are for. Yeah. <laughs> RFID codes are for. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's what I do. I've got a shop of 14,000 items and we keep track of it all. So it's all like tracking, tracing, you know, you know, point of sale system. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, you know, that's the only way you can keep track of your inventory. Right. Right. And then I'm all about it. And then still, like, if you, you know, it's hard to have real time inventory tracking. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it still can become difficult. Like, you know, it might take months before you realize if something's going wrong with your inventory. Yeah. Through employee theft or shrinkage or. And that's another point you know, to all of this. I mean, 
other than just like it's going to be mandatory it needs to be done like running your business or your growth scene smart to avoid and minimize any opportunities for theft or anything like that it's a good idea <laughs> you should be organized and have a system in place and protocols and consistencies and measurements and numberings and data to to know where everything is every, every step of the way that's just smart business do you think California is going to be able to get rid of the gray market? I have no idea. That's a tough one. I mean, California has got a huge consumer market. Mm-hmm. I think the gray and the black markets get are getting smaller exponentially. And that's just a matter of when. Dude, Massachusetts wreck, New York wreck. Like, yeah. dude, they're it's like. It's a matter when like it goes all federally California soon. wreck. Like, I mean, those are the major areas right there. back so corona parent company what yeah invested like we're trying to pull it up we, we live in we live the in woods. Yeah, there's, there's the yeah, coastal woods totally dude there's we don't no have good reception up here um so uh yeah corona beer company put in 180 90 million dollars into a canadian company called canopy they're a, a cannabis company. In Canada, you can invest in large publicly traded companies. You, you can't in the U.S. Hmm. Canada is going to be one of the largest coming markets here soon because they are going to allow for export. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Big time. But I saw a report on this investment and it said that they weren't, I, th- I thought till they said it was federally legal in the U- U.S. not engaging in the business, but uh-huh. could have been Canadian. Because I know Canadian is about to go. Yeah, it's a, can, too. it's a Canadian company. And so maybe it was maybe it was Canadian mm-hmm. because legal in Canada. Canada's got wheat, legal weed soon. Hey. I know. Just to review here, here's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about business with the cannabis industry. We've been talking about how like small farms are going to be impacted and how big farms are going to be impacted. We've talked about how the money's going to change and you know, there's this overwhelming fear that's here, Craig. You you hear it with our friends and, and, and the and people. Do you hear the fear? I hear the fear. Yeah, there's this fear I hear the of fear. the change. Yeah. And man, I get it, dude. You know, don't fear change. It comes no matter what. You just gotta brace for the impact and catch that wave, bro. Paddle. You gotta paddle for it. Exactly. Right? You just can't wait for it. You gotta paddle for the change. So uh, I really want to encourage the listeners that are listening here. If you're a new cannabis business, if you're going into cannabis business for the first time and never grown a plant, if you've been growing weed for 20 years in your basement or your back 40, like it's all new. Just be positive about it. Embrace it. Like people that enter this system, some people are going to fail and some people are going to succeed just like private industry cannabis. Some people fail. And some people succeed, right? It doesn't just mean that because it's legal, you can't do it, you know, anymore and and still have it as a lifestyle or be able to make enough money, right? It's still going to survive. It's the largest and will turn out to be the fastest growing economy in our country in years. Mm -hmm. There's going to be many more moving parts to it and a little bit more of a challenge at the end of the day just to be organized and run a business, but that's what every other business is doing. And so it's 
fair game that in the canvas business, we're going to have to do the same. Absolutely. 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 You know, you, you go to buy a keg at a brewery or something, they're charting, labeling, you know, still doing with prohibition stuff, even with alcohol, like the, like those industries are still pretty strict or mm-hmm. propane gas, you know, they they can go, you could talk to them about all the fees and da, 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 and everything they have to pay to do business legally and have a market and build budgets and kind of know where your business is, is kind of where it needs to go. And it's not a bad way to operate. So we, we briefly touched on uh, consulting companies. Consulting comes in a number of different ways. Consulting comes in when you call me up and you're like, yo, bro, what's up? And ask me a couple questions and we give air high five and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and then there's paid consulting where you pay a consultant that comes in and helps you determine your wastewater management or, you know, your air pollution or your now your grow technologies, your grow applications, mm-hmm. your interaction with the legal world, your interaction with the government, the regional government, the state government. There's so many different consultants now, engineer consultants. And, you know, partly I think they just throw the term consultant on it, you know, so uh, it's this like little like handshake that says, I know we're, I know about growing weed. Right. Right. <laughs> so you've used some of these consultants, man. And uh, I mean, uh, you, yes and no. Y- yeah, you have. Them. You're right. You've, you've used some engineering I feel like people. I, I feel like we should go make consulting business cards right now. And then what we do on our day to day basis is talking to the homies and sharing information. It'll be like, oh, well, here's the bill. <laughs> like, oh, because I have such a mixed uh, feeling on consulting. Just, sure. Just from Satori and over the years. Yeah, no, I've, I've had my, I, I call it getting consulted. We're, boots, we're bootstrappers. Right. I like, call it getting consulted. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They fucking, cons- I mean, and no, like insulted, consulted. Yeah, exactly. Cause right. we're like the bootstrapper type. We've done it all. We've grown businesses from the ground up. And then you hire a consultant and you're like, well, I'm expecting this person to teach me something. And know more shit than I do. Yeah, yeah exactly. And especially if you're going to charge me thousands and thousands of dollars. And I mean, there's been good ones, but most of my experience were these consultants scope of knowledge was so limited that they didn't understand my position and I could, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. It's hard to say when you're a bootstrapper and been doing yourself to hire a consultant, when you find a good one, they can be so invaluable and give you so much information, but you find a lot of that just in talking to people in the industry and having relationships and building rapport in talking with your peers, you kind of get more consulting than hired consultant. Now, when it comes to engineering and structural and plumbing and electrical and da da da, engineers, you need them. It's amazing they exist. You can do all that. It's great. But on business advisory consulting, you just got my uh, advice would be be cautious mm-hmm. because I wouldn't even want to call anyone vultures out there. Maybe they're opportunists more so. It's a vulturous industry opportunists let's use yeah, opportunists okay, okay. we'll say opportunists there's many opportunists because they're t- they're it's like it, well, for example people get taken advantage of yeah. when they don't know what they don't know right right and if you don't know what the fuck is up and somebody come here with confidence and tells you what they think is up but it's not what's up yeah right you don't or, know or their scope of knowledge is t- too limited 
so you would need to hire five consultants yeah know, right to get to do your whole business one, structure yeah, yeah, right so i mean i hired or i talked with a consultant one time and she was she just didn't understand that farmers selling to dispensaries or farmers selling to brands that was that was a wholesale transaction there's no sales tax involved and right she's like oh well i had no idea i'm like oh but you're what? consulting cannabis businesses like that's a rule i mean that's basic business wholesale to wholesale business to business is tax free yeah you know you just got to have resale permits and verify the sales but those are uh you don't collect sales tax on that so no big deal if you sell it to the public consumer you got to collect the sales tax you got to give it to the state board of equalization mm-hmm. they they are vicious you got to be on your reporting i mean you just gotta totally bookkeepers are amazing I advise everybody in, going into business, hire and find a good bookkeeper. And I hate to. Tip number <laughs> 742, hire a good bookkeeper. <laughs> and get you some accounting software like QuickBooks yeah, or totally whatever. Something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to have books. You got to run the business. You got to at least know your expenses. I mean, at this point, hey, income. Where do you- <laughs> hey, I make Let's money see. all the time on one and 2% of buying or selling. Yeah. All the time, right? And then, you know, volumes, volume, dude. People are like, 1%, but like, oh, fuck, dude. Volume makes it happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, bookkeepers are amazing. Consultants, I would go in very light-footed. Anytime you hire a consultant, mm-hmm. make them prove themselves to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've used accountants. If you can find a good CPA, right, that's your best consultant ever, right, as far as business goes. Right, get a good CPA, yep. right? And then you're paying them three, four hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, it's fucking expensive, <laughs> but like it's not as expensive as consultants can be. Right. Right. And you just kinda like go to school. That's how I learned. I like went to my CPA and I'm like, Hey man, there's this thing called PL and BL. I don't know what the what they stand for, <laughs> but uh could you show me what it means? And he was like, Oh, bounds and ledger, profit and loss. Absolutely. You know, and loved it. And it was great break for him on his daily job. Mm-hmm. And they taught me how to run all of that. Yeah. Right. They were great consultant attorneys. They've been great consultants for me as well. Right. Right. Do re- they could, attorneys can do research for you. Attorneys can inquire with other people about stuff, you know, as a third party. Oh, yeah. uh, attorneys can do all kinds of cool things. Yeah, I guess I didn't, can categorize them as consultants, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is, well, that's how it I'm, is consulting. That, yeah, it, well, that's how I've discovered that those are the people to get the information from because it's information acquisition we're looking for. We're right. like, all right, how can I get this? What's a shortcut, right? Totally. And ganja consultant, well, I'm not saying, you know, I've been studying the cannabis plant for a number of years and familiar with almost every cultivation technique for sure. Right. I can't say I, I could suggest any like consultant that could come by and tell you how to fix your problem necessarily. But I, most of the consultants come by and they're like, do it this one way. <laughs> right. Do it. My bro science, my bro way. And it worked. That works. Right. 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 But I'm, I need, I'm yeah, you got to use your geek. Can't even talk over here. Yeah. Get the wrong. Damn. What was that in the back? Big bag. That was the sunset. Sherbert. Sunset. Sunset. Sherbert. Sunset. Sherbert. Man, the Skittles taste the best. Skittles taste the best. Why it's hot and stuff. So Babylon, if uh, you're into the industry, it's education's the thing you gotta, there's no shortcut to education. 
Yeah. Right. I've been thinking about putting together like a private Facebook group type of thing mm. for this kind of situation. Right. And for my benefit, really, it's like, oh, I get like a bunch of people together and, you know, we can talk about business and I get to learn from like what everybody else is doing. And, you know, right. like, well, like for now, boom, perfect example right now. I'm, I need to find a great consultant for running my dispensary to know the ins and outs from here's what I got to be thinking of that I'm not thinking of and be prepared for and what's going to come our way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I've never run a dispensary and there's a lot of ins and outs yeah, of someone right. with experience there that I, I, I'm, I need that person right now. Totally. Well, that, that's, that one's actually a little easier to find. Some of my previous sponsors, Dank Consulting, that's what they would do, nice. right? As they they come in and, and you know, they got like a multi-point program that, you know, follows your compliance, the state of Colorado, but they could do the same thing for you. But that's the easy one, honestly, because that's just like QuickBooks. Right. It's just a program and you got to follow it, basically, right. right? But it's all specific to the laws. Like in Colorado, the laws are totally different about moving the weed around, you know, your dispensary, where in California, it's like there's no law set for any of that yet. Yeah. Right. I'm more thinking on the merchandising, display, transaction, yeah. point of sale. Dude, that's you. That's you. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? That's you. That's you. That's I could do it too. But like, I mean, you know, how many, how many retail stores have you gone into to sell them uh, stuff? Yeah. Right. And like, you know, and, you know, we're talking Satori type stuff. Like, you know, same way with me. I've been into hundreds of grow stores and grow rooms, you know, pushing my product. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't need any of that. <laughs> see, okay. See, there you go. All right. There you go, listener. You don't need any consultants. You just need a good attorney. You need some positive attitude. You need a good accountant bookkeeper, and yeah. a bookkeeper and uh, maybe save all your seats. Listen to Real Dirt. Join my Facebook group. That's yeah. all you got to do right there. Boom. it's that simple that simple chips somewhat however many point plan to success yeah yeah no doubt i couldn't count that chips quick. 420 point plan to success yeah, right man. right right i love it uh, yeah man well hey let's take another break we're going to come back and talk about my favorite thing growing cannabis this is chip and craig the real dirt we'll be right back Shiloh, Dying Breed Seeds. Yeah, man. So weed. Let's talk about the weed growing. Tell me about the new build out on the farm. How big is this thing now? Well, we've got a couple few farms, but the the most renovated one, we just put up six greenhouses. Four of them are 28 by 96, and two of them are 28 by 120s. Mm -hmm. We put radiant heating inside the beds on the 120s. Mm -hmm. And so... 
now we're just waiting for the board. Is that 10,000 square feet? Oh, man. Don't ask me that kind of question. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> let me, right. let me uh, get the calculator. Uh, it's all good. Okay, okay. So you got six new greenhouses yeah. and, and a bunch of outdoor, too, and yeah. a bunch of other smaller little greenhouses. Yeah. Right? And you do all this organically. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Big so time. this is so wait a second. You're you're telling me this is large scale commercial cannabis farming that you're doing organically. Well, I would say it's mid scale. I wouldn't say it's large. Oh, there you go. It less it than is. two acres. It's not that big. Cannabis farming. Right. Yeah, I yeah, know. We're gonna listen to this shit in ten years. Yeah. And we're gonna laugh. This is micro. Micro farming. A little less than two, two acres. acres. A little less than two acres of canopy or of square footage. Uh, more, I would say canopy-ish. All right. So we're going to have like a quick little rundown. I'm just going to throw out some speed round questions. Okay. Right. And you just give me like a one line answer. Boom. <clears throat> Best outdoor plant this year. Huckleberry number three. Best light depth plant this year. <sighs> Bang. Uh, light, light, light depth plant most prone to PM. Didn't have any PM this year. <sighs> Light depth plant most prone to botrytis. Tangy. Earliest outdoor. Green crack. Green crack. Best looking plant. Best. Too many. Too many. Biggest plant. Biggest plant. They're still in the ground. They're called Kerala. I don't know how they snuck into the garden. Indian. Indian. Mm -hmm. They're barely starting to flower. (laughs) And I have... Way too much square footage <laughs> of the Kerala. That is probably not gonna get done. But they're huge. But they're huge. <laughs> How big is huge? I mean, it's a hedge crop. They're like twelve feet tall by like hundred and fifty feet long. It's just a huge hedge. <laughs> of non-flowering weed. It's a hedge. Like uh, yeah, it's, it's like a hundred. It's There's like a hundred no pounds of. Of leaf. <laughs> Anybody wants to come and juice up some wheatgrass weed for me? All right. Let's see. All right. I'm with speed round. So that would be the biggest. T- t- tastiest weed so far? Tasty Skittles. Biggest disappointment so far? Clifford is kind of always a disappointment uh, for me. But you keep betting on Clifford. No, I just kept it in the rotation second year and it's retired. Oh, retired. There we go. Actually, there was another one, but- uh, biggest lesson learned this year biggest lesson learned be more organized always yeah no doubt dude okay we'll rewind that one sure. right. <laughs> protocols in place expectations responsibilities yeah expectations responsibilities organization uh, Otherwise, it's been an amazing year. Actually, I can I can say that we are now harvesting in the next week almost all that is coming in, and not one speck of PM this year. Oh, great, man! And probably less than a hundred plastic bottles <laughs> thrown away. I used three liquid products. Awesome! So it's that's great, dude. Dry yeah. amendment. Because that's the biggest thing about, I mean, I sell this shit for a living, but that's yeah. the biggest thing about organic equipment is real organic. You don't want to use plastic shit. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I really feed, we really feed very so, minimal. So, so, okay. So, very minimal. 
So it doesn't matter if it, if it's greenhouse, full season, outdoor, or or light depth. You mix nutrients into the soil, yeah, yeah. and water it, and just basically water on top of that. Well, no, you, I mean that's what you call it. like you you do the global amendment. That's what you call when you mix in your dry amendments in your your soil, dirt, whatever you're growing in your medium. So you do the global amendment, and then. You know, and then there's a couple companies here that produce excellent, amazing, like soilscape solutions. I'm just gonna throw them out there because hey, I've tried to get I, Sam on the show. Yeah, haven't been able to do it yet. Key to my success for sure. Their their amending products are amazing, but then they they provide an excellent base, and then from there you're up to make your own little magic. I think is mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And so that's technique, you know. And we feed maybe once a week tea or top dress. You know, I use like three liquid products, molasses, uh, earth juice catalyst, and Peruvian Gold's Crescendo, which is a llama compost bud swell product. Those two interchangeably. Other than that, it's just all dry amendment and compost tea with the same things that we amend. So we're either making compost tea with the mixture or we just top dress it and literally feed once a week and have great success. Yields were amazing. No PM, botrytis minimal microbials are an issue mm-hmm. so trying to figure out techniques like we you know there's i hear people little cheating techniques to pass testing but you know yeah we don't want to know that we don't we're not trying to do that i'm not trying to throw it in the freezer for three days before i test it now i oh, just throw it in the microwave and do yeah it. exactly i'd rather have the whole crop pass and so yeah right or the, the <laughs> or the standards change because i think it's a little bit ridiculous but <laughs> our goal is to grow top quality organic sustainable bomb cannabis yeah. that's gonna get you stoned out of your mind yeah. what so you you do th- got three bottles of shit what are you what are you putting what are these three bottles of shit you said three you got three liquid products you oh use? i just named them off uh we use liquids we use molasses mm-hmm. hybrix molasses earth juice catalyst mm-hmm. and this other uh, product peruvian gold Okay. Crescendo. It's like a llama compost. It's kind of like that and bud swell. Mm-hmm. Kind of are interchangeable bud hardeners. Okay. So they're only used at, at, towards the end. Catalyst used throughout. Molasses used throughout. Those sugary, you know, uh, enzyme products just to accentuate the compost teas. And I wouldn't even say, okay, I have this debate with a buddy of mine. I, he would say that what we do is not compost teas. He, he would call them compost brews or something well they're accts yeah. actively aerated compost tea yeah you know aact actively aerated compost tea or so that's how uh, uh, elaine ingram says that right yeah i won't even start getting into that science um, yeah i'm, t- I'm a little too stoned to yeah, to but i love compost tea if you're not doing it get yeah. into compost tea get a couple books uh teaming with microbes um uh look up the author elaine ingram um great 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 information but beware it's kind of like religion-esque and people like really get into it and uh <laughs> You might yeah. too. So <laughs> I mean, I think I think there's anaerobic, aerobic. I think there's it's all been done and worked. So. Totally no. I grew up on aerobic uh, compost tea, which was just taking compost, aerobic anaerobic, anaerobic yeah. taking compost and like letting it sit in a, a bucket. You know, taking like cow shit even and letting it sit in a bucket. 
It works. Right. And then you take off some of it and add it to water and then water your plants with it. Yeah. Right. My grandma. That's what my grandma taught me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think there's there's a million ways to do things, but mm-hmm. organically is always best. So let's talk about your IPM. Flavor. Let's talk about your IPM. Oh, okay. Good pest management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sulfur, sulfur, sulfur. When you're in a vegetative state, spray up sprayable, wettable, wettable sulfur, wettable yeah. sulfur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the number way, number one most effective, cost effective way to keep russet mites down, which is like the huge epidemic. Uh, we actually had them pop up in June, caught it early. A lot of stuff we could treat sulfur before it went into flowering. Got away pretty, pretty luckily good, very minimal damage overall. So, first experience with them, learned a lot. And sulfur is the number one way to deal with them. Then there's like these. One of bio- the oldest organic pesticides. Sulfur. Exactly. Exactly. Other than that, we use some biofungicide like Grandivo and Venerate and Regalia, which Regalia is an interesting product because they say it systemically helps prevent like um, PM mm-hmm. and, and those types of um, mildew molds coming in. So that's an interesting product. They say that actually, if you're watering it in, it can be systemic. We used it. We didn't have any PM. So you just got to look at all the variables all right. that come into play. That could have been a good factor. Um, that's yeah, all, all let, me, let me mention here, here in California, they don't have product regulations yet. Oh, yeah. So, so, so you you might mentioned, not you're mentioning products that in other places they can't use. Right. Even though they're listed as organic pesticides. So sulfur is probably the most but, universal product that they yeah, use totally. everywhere. Yeah, totally. Sulfur, number one, just use use it regimentally before you till you go into flower because it helps with everything i mean it's going to mm-hmm. keep the rust and mites away it helps with it prevents pm once you have pm i don't think sulfur is very effective anymore but nothing really is it's like all you can do is keep it at bay so yeah right the whole number one goal is just never never have it get pop it up. yeah never get it right so if you're spraying sulfur that's your most cost effective way to, to to run an IPM from the ground up and then deal with stuff that might come up if it comes up. Right. But if you run a solid sulfur program through your veg cycle, you should be pretty good on most fronts unless a spider mite issue came in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and out outdoor, have you had PM problems on your straight outdoor? Depend on the strains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Historically, it's usually it's kind of more strain oriented in the seasons mm-hmm. this has been a really good season so again looking at all the factors it's been a great season but i also put up all these new greenhouses 120 feet long no fans in them mm. getting over 120 degrees in those suckers yeah right so just making through this year i mean we're gonna put fans in next year could right? have affect the turf profile a little bit from, yeah bro you know, but the quality was amazing the yields were amazing no issues, mold, PMs, anything. So I think healthy roots, healthy soil, and building my, microbiology and keeping it all just thriving mm-hmm. is just like works amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. So. Yeah, man. So you guys compost tea spray? I don't. I'm, you not don't. A, I'm not a foliar sprayer. Yeah, me neither, dude. Never been into it, really. Um, You feed with compost tea, though, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. Me too. I love that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the literature is about spraying it, but it's on, like, man, crops where they're, like, spraying over. It's overhead sprayers, and it's almost like they're spraying the soil as much as they are the plants. Yeah. So I've always been a 
feed the plant compost to you, not spray it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, plus add, just adding all that shit on my, my biology, I'll call it, on my, my plants I never really cared for. Yeah. Most right. people, most people are into it, but it's just, yeah, I think it's a personal thing. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, Porter, it's not for me. Like, like it works. Like Eel but River it's not Porter for me. or Mad yeah. River Steelhead. Exactly. Right. We talked a couple favorite strains here. Like, you know, I mean, you said Skittles, right? That's your favorite smoking strain right now, but I mean, it's not a good growing strain. No, what, what about your but favorite? Of course, isn't that how it usually is? The Sunset Sherbert is amazing. Oh, okay. Amazing. Really? What, what, what do you like about it? You know, you love the plants that have good structure, can support themselves, aren't flimsy, and put on dense, great yields. So mm-hmm. it's a nice, robust plant, kind of more like an indica-style growth to it, where it rounds out, doesn't get too high. You know, it's not going to be your 12-foot plant. It's going to be your 6-foot tall plant, but just round and just mm-hmm. big, colorful, purpley, just mm, that Sherbert nose. Yeah, big ups to the Cookies fam. I think it's one of their strains. Right. They tend to have all the some really w- winning genetics. Mm. So the Sherbert's a good one. It was a pleasure to grow this year. First time doing that one. I mean, all strains are fun to grow. It's just got to figure out how to grow them once or twice, you know. Some require a lot more food. Some require a little bit less. But it's fun to play with all the different ones. I know you've made a bunch of seeds in the past. You got anything on the horizon? Anything you're interested in? Well, I guess since I crossed them this year, I should be interested in them. No, right, um, right. It sure. was kind of an accident, but uh, these pineapple tsunamis, which are like a two-to-one CBD mixed with the Clifford, which is a... Oh, you were just complaining about that shit. Nah, throw no, it away. No. Throw it away. You were just complaining about Why do you like Clifford anyway? Well, I just I just had gotten it, and so I just had <laughs> seeds of it, and then we kept it, and then we're just trying to pheno it out. And actually, there's a there's the Clifford Five and the Clifford Three we have are great, and so we do have that cross the pineapple tsunami, which is a great two to one. Uh, it's going to be an interesting the pineapple tsunami with the Clifford could be a really nice tasting stream. So anyway, we just we have a bunch of different pheno F ones that we'll bring to the Emerald Cup. Yeah. <laughs> and let and let you f- figure out which let ones are good. Let you figure it out. I'll sample some myself too. Man, I think we've had a really good episode here today. It's been a great time. If we ever have outtakes, this episode will be the one with the most outtakes. By the way, you, the listener, will hear it nice and fluid. But uh, we we had some some moments. Man, I really appreciate you making time during this busy harvest season to come and chat with me here. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been fun. At the at the Molecule Studios in the Real Dirt. And uh, thanks for joining us, listener. I appreciate your time. I know you could be doing many, many other things with it, but instead you've chosen to listen to me and smoke copious amounts of ganja while we talk of cannabis and other things weed. If you enjoyed this episode, you can download it and others at therealdirt.com. You can also download the episode at The Real Dirt Podcast or on iTunes at The Real Dirt Podcast. So thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. And stay high. Stay high.